Welcome back. You made it to episode two. Woohoo! Today we're talking about all things investing, particularly for beginners, which is really, really exciting as I don't know anything about investing. (laughs) Check out my blog on the M word for proof that money just isn't my thing. But luckily, today I have Mike with me who lives and breathes finance and he does a lot of personal investing himself. So the reason I've asked Mike to come on the podcast is not only that he's my boyfriend, but that everything he knows about investing has been completely self-taught. So he's the first in his family to invest and I thought he'd be the perfect person to resonate with anyone out there like me who has maybe considered investing but has absolutely no clue where to begin. So I hope you enjoy and as always, like, comment and subscribe. Hello, today I've got a very, very special guest probably my most special guest, some would say. I've got Mike with me, my boyfriend. Hello. (laughs) Do you want to introduce yourself, tell us your age? Uh, Yeah, I am Mike Godsell, Lauren's boyfriend. I'm 26 and... I'm from Manchester. I'm from Manchester. (laughs) Yeah, do you want to kind of say what you do? Because I feel like that will outline why this is the topic today. Yeah, so I work, um, it's a investment custodian bank in Manchester and I work in the income department. I've come from a law background, that's how I met Lauren and I didn't want to do anything to do with finance until I was about 23, 24. I realised I hated law and I wanted to get into something else and and I read a lot of books on finance and I'm completely self-taught so you know I I know more than anyone anyone could get into this kind of thing and and do really well for themselves if if they get it right. So basically, Mike is the money man, and I just spend all of the money. <laughs> um, no, so you kind of went into it then, but maybe start off by saying what inspired you to go into finance and all of those kind of bits. So we were travelling. It's a pretty cool way to start a story. Uh, we were travelling <laughs> in uh, East East Asia, you know, finding ourselves. <laughs> and I was in the Philippines, and I realised that it was coming to the end of our year away and that when I came back to Manchester, it would be kind of finding a career and something that I wanted to do. The only thing I knew that I didn't want to do was law. Um, so I kind of had to look into things that I could possibly get into, things that interest me because I still really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I read a few books. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of create a reading list for a separate episode if, if this does well, <laughs> if people actually want to hear me speak. Understandably, if not, that's okay. But... I, you know, I read a few books, a few of their very entry-level basic ones, and really, really got that lit a fire underneath me. You've got to be self-motivated, and you've got to really kind of enjoy money, which I know sounds really stupid, but some people, you know, they don't want to learn about that kind of area, which is okay, but I really did, and 100 books down the line, a few years in the actual industry, and I'm always learning every single day, and I love that about it. It's so dynamic. Yeah, I think... It's really interesting because when you first started reading about investing and stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. Because it's never really been anything that interests me. Obviously, I love money and spending money, but actually understanding it, it's not something that I've ever thought about. So you kind of opened my eyes to it, which was is good. I mean, I'm still very much in the early stages. Yeah, I mean, it took me a year and a half for you to be able to explain what my job is to people. Yeah, let, let's not ask me now. And I've, and I've <laughs> been telling you for the last year and a half and you're still pretty useless at it. But that's okay, like you say, maths and numbers are not your strong point, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, not that maths and numbers have to be anyone's strong point to do jobs in finance, but it does help if you've kind of got like that basic arithmetic which you <laughs> severely lack. 
so um, yeah, like you're getting more interested. You're willing to learn now, which I yeah. think is important. And I think the finance sector has like a real dark cloud hanging over it. I think over you know the 2008 financial crisis, which kind of ruined the world, mm-hmm. um, changed the way that investment works. You know, infinitely. So I think people, when they think about investment, they always think, oh, it's gambling or, you know, you, you might lose all your money or yeah. you know, it's for people who are in super high, well-paid jobs in Wall Street. And, it, and it's really not, I hope that's the one thing I've come on here really to do is just to hope to open a lot of people's eyes to the fact that it can really work for you on a very small level and everybody should be doing it. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting because I've never really thought about it. And then you started reading into it, so I was like, oh, I'm going to have to at least pretend to care. <laughs> and then the more I've thought about it from like a feminist perspective, a lot more men than women invest. And so I was like, ooh, well, why is that? And maybe I should be doing it. And so I think a lot of people listening will maybe feel the same as me. Numbers may not be a strong point, but... It just almost feels like you're being cheated if you're not in the game. You've got to be in it to gain from it. And it's frustrating if other people that, I would say we're pretty much on the same academic level, Mm. but you're getting ahead now because you understand this whole new world and it's really frustrating. So I think from a competitive point maybe, but also a standpoint of, well, if you can do it, then maybe I should be doing it. Maybe if we start at the beginning then. So if someone's thinking about potentially starting investing literally where do you start yeah good question the first thing you should ask yourself if you want to invest is why do you want to invest what are your long-term financial goals are you investing to try and make a quick book overnight you know are you, are you trying to get a new car are you trying to save money for a home are you looking 30 years down the line in a long-term portfolio where you want to focus on new trends like sustainable energy renewable energy you know electric vehicles are you looking for more secure things do you want to put your money into bonds rather than stocks if you think we're about to go into recession somewhere where your money's actually safer than banks, because banks can go bankrupt. You know, you've seen it with Northern Northern Rock in 2008 in the UK. Do you remember when that went, but that went bankrupt and people lost a lot of money there? No, Lauren, no. <laughs> Lauren does not remember that. So, you know, these things can happen. So you need to ask yourself, why do I want to invest? And then once you've asked yourself that, once you've got yourself a goal in mind, you need to stick to that goal and you need to apply your investments in that way. So I would start by reading a few books Give us a couple of books. Well, I'm reading the, currently The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, which people consider to be the investment the book. Bible the Bible of all investing books. And it was written, I think the original one was in like 1920 or 1930, the original edition, and people still read it now. And it's been updated, it's had different volumes out, but for someone to say it all the way back then, and the financial sector's changed so much, but there are serious lessons in investment. That's the kind of stuff you could really need to be learning about. You don't have to know the ins and outs of the stock market and individual value derivatives and stuff like that. You just need to know, here's what I want, here's how I can do it and apply yourself in that way. But it takes time, you know, you can't just get rich overnight and that's the one thing I would say to people is don't think of the stock market as easy wins. It's really, really a long-term game of longevity. longer that you stand, you've got more chance of making some money. Yeah, so step one why do you want to invest yeah. maybe write on a post-it note if you're like me and then making sure that everything that you do from then goes back to that original goal i enjoy that and then step two maybe reading a couple of books intelligent investor being the bible of all books but it's quite heavy so are there any maybe even more basic than that Cause yeah there's some colloquial ones so there's one up on wall street by peter lynch he's probably the most infamous fund manager in america he 
broke records for earning the most money for his fund, which was Fidelity in the 80s or 70s. His book is really, really good because it's very conversational and he talks about what he looked for in stocks. If you want to read a personal finance book, which is one that we've both read, isn't mm, it? Yes. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm not going to say the author's name because it's not in front of me and I will butcher it because it's... Robert no, Koi... Robert, Robert Kiwazaki, I'm going to say. <laughs> it's probably definitely not his name, but I doubt he's going to be listening, so it's okay. He did Rich Dad, Poor Dad anyway, and it's a brilliant book. Um, very entry-level, isn't I it? I actually read it first, just Yeah, saying. Lauren actually introduced <laughs> it to me. It's about more kind of personal finance and why you should invest, aligning your personal goals with the stock market and getting what you want out of it. So I could definitely recommend that one. Maybe that maybe that's the first book you read on it. Yeah, also. I really enjoyed it. And it talked about assets and liabilities. And I just feel like my whole mind was blown because when you start to actually think about if something's an asset or if it is actually a liability in financial terms, it's just really interesting and it's never something that I'd looked into or thought about before. So yeah, I definitely read that. And it's also more like a story. It's less heavy, I would say. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So we have thought about why we want to invest. We have had a little read of a couple of books. Are there any podcasts? Maybe listeners who don't like reading. Do you have any suggestions for them? Yeah. On Spotify, Wall Street Journal do daily or weekly podcasts. Obviously, they're massively reputable in terms of finance. One I listen to, but it's kind of bespoke and a bit more niche, is called Chat with Traders, which is an hour and a half podcast. And the host, who's called Aaron Fivefield from Australia, he speaks to different investors, different traders. So people who day trade on stocks, which means that you're buying and selling in very short time frames to make a gain on a very small price difference. And he also speaks to people who work in different parts of the financial services and kind of encapsulates the whole financial services sector. So he's really good to listen to. He's got a really good podcast. So if we were going to do a bit of a cheat sheet of the real basics, because you've mentioned quite a lot of heavy terms. There's lots of keywords that mm. I kind of know what they mean, but yeah. also don't really know what they mean. Yeah, in colloquial terms, a stock is an actual security that you can buy a share in. So McDonald's, BP, Tesla... Amazon, these are massive, massive blue chip stocks, which are incredibly high value. I think Apple's just passed two trillion in the market at the moment, which is just insane. You can buy shares in these massive companies, which you'll have heard of before. Sometimes they pay what's called a dividend, which is a cash payment to you just for actually holding shares in the company, which is a really good incentive to buy them. And a share is something that a company will issue and you can pay for it, and it actually makes you a part owner of that business. So if you own one share in Apple, you own that percentage of the company, yeah. yeah. And you're actually able to vote on the company matters at AGM, so it's very important. People think of it just as as a number which goes up and down, but you are actually an owner of a business, or a part owner of a business. Legally, that's the way it is. And you can invest in these companies, and as the company gets better, bigger, makes partnerships with other companies, that stock price will rise because it's driven by people wanting to also be part of that company. So the price starts getting higher because there's, there's, more, sell- there's more demand for mm-hmm. it and there's less people wanting to sell it. Conversely, if the stock isn't very good, if it's having a bit of a nightmare, which you know recently stocks have been having a bit of a nightmare and it starts coming down because there's more sellers undercutting each other. I'll offer you a share for £10. Well, I'll offer it for £9 so I get rid of it, etc. And, yeah. and it'll come down rapidly from there. You can make a lot of money going up. You can make money going down as well. You can actually short shares, which we'll talk about down the line if this if people actually want to listen to it more. Mm-hmm. But this is over kind of level basis. Yeah, um, that's an how overview. You, overview, yeah. <laughs> start, yeah, that's the word, overview. Yeah, so we've got our key terms down. Mm. Now, 
how do people do it? Yeah, so there's loads of different ways. The most common way to do it is via brokerage. So a brokerage is, for example, trading two on two in the UK is massive. eToro are also, so those two are actually zero commission. So if you were to buy a share of Apple using their platform, they wouldn't actually charge you a price for doing so. Um, so for people who are starting out with small accounts, I would say under £5,000, I would definitely suggest going on to a zero commission brokerage. So for example, if I buy £1,000 worth of Apple stock and my brokerage charged me £5, you've already got to make £5 on that £1,000 investment just to break even from the commission. Yeah. So I would say zero commission is obviously a lot better. As you get a massive portfolio, I'm talking like ten to £100,000, sometimes it's worth to pay the fee because £5 on £10,000 of stock is nothing and you'll actually get better price execution and stuff like that, which again, we can talk about in the future. But brokerages, Trading212, eToro, they're free commissions. Hargreaves lands there for like pretty competitive rates as well. I know a few people who have those. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you just sign up on it? Yes, I'll actually send a little code, put it in the description of your podcast. Um, (laughs) And if you sign up using a friend's code, you actually get a free stock. You did that for me, didn't you? I got Cineworld. Yeah, you got Cineworld, didn't you? Horrific. Not great. I got Nike. It was worth £70, so appreciate that. That's so good. I think it's up to £100, one of the stocks you get for free. A little cash boost to start you off. I'll put my link in there and you can sign up using the link and we'll both get one. Love or that. you can sign your friends up and use your own link. You know, I'm not a scumbag. You can do what you want. <laughs> so you literally just Google it, sign yourself up. Now, yeah. how do you keep on track of things? Because obviously we know all the massive brands, like the ones that you've mentioned before. Can you can you invest in Aldi? Because I feel like I'm sponsored by Aldi because I talk about Aldi loads. I don't think you can invest in Aldi. <laughs> I think they're private. Okay, well, that's sad. But how do you go about researching who is best to invest into is it just keeping up with current affairs or is it a safer bet to go with companies that you know while you're just figuring it all out well it's a good question anything can happen so for example apple could come out tomorrow and say that they didn't sell as many iphones as they thought they were going to and they're going to lay off a thousand people or they're going to start shutting stores around the us now that will cause the stock price to go down naturally you would have been privy to that information because you just know what you see in the news about apple So there's always a development of risk with these companies. The best way for someone who isn't really going to put some time into research in individual companies is to invest in ETFs, exchange traded funds. They have a load of different shares inside of one big fund which you buy into. So rather than buying into one company, which means that you're more subject to the price of that company going up or down, if you buy into a fund which has got 100 companies in it, if one of those companies tanks and does really badly, it's only going to drag down the price of the fund very, very slightly. Yeah. Because the other 99 funds might do quite well, so you wouldn't even see the price difference. Yeah. So it means that you're going to be a lot safer. In the UK, we have what's called the FTSE, F-T-S-E which is the top 250 performing stocks mm-hmm. or by market cap. So it's the biggest 250 companies which are UK listed on the London Stock Exchange. They are part of a fund which you can invest into. So if you just think that stocks in the UK are going to go up, then you can just buy the fund and yeah. it'll just go up or it'll go down, but it will go in line with the top 250 companies. And the general idea behind it is that it's a lot harder for one of the big companies to fail mm. than it is yeah. for a very small up and coming electric vehicle stock and people are buying into it because of hype and it goes up and down rapidly and lots of money lost lots of money gained this is a lot safer and it means that you don't have to look at your phone every two minutes because you can be happy that it's not going to go miles in the wrong direction yeah i think that's a good idea as well when you're just starting out 
when you're trying to figure out the usability of it and like what you actually want to do that makes me feel more secure mm. especially what you were saying before that it has a bad rep in people think gambling and that yeah. kind of thing getting away from that mentality i think going into a safer investment that sits well with me mm. which is good my last question on this brief overview is more of a personal one when you're personally investing do you take into account the sustainability behind the actual company that you're investing in or do you just go purely on what's happening in the markets not saying like do you care do you have a soul Mm. but does that play a part in it or are you very much finance motivated it's interesting it's interesting because the the general swing of of market sentiment at the moment is definitely these electric vehicle companies your teslas your renewable power companies like solar power and stuff like that at the moment are absolutely booming just because there's a lot of the David Attenborough effects, I would call oh, it, of yeah. young investors who are coming into the trading game and they want to support these companies who are helping to reduce our carbon footprint. And because people are buying into them, their stock price is going up because the more people buy it, it's going to go higher. Yeah. So at the moment, there is kind of like a flood effect of this money coming in, which is supporting these companies. Would it affect my personal investment? I'd be happier to invest in a company that was doing really well and it was helping the environment. But if BP or Rio Tinto or some kind of fracking company were the hot stock, it wouldn't stop me from investing in them. Mm. And you've got to kind of detach, I think, your personal environmental feelings from... I know this is going to be quite controversial and I apologise, <laughs> but you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to take your emotions out of it. Trading or investing is inherently emotional. If we lose money, how bad does it make you feel? It makes you feel sick. But you've got to take that kind of side out of you. Just because I'm investing in a mining company doesn't mean that I support the fact that these companies mm, are but mining you are and damaging. Them though. But what I'm considering is I'm making short-term profit on a on a big price move. I'm just trying to take my money out of it. If they're going to make money, then why the hell should I not make money with them? Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I just think personally it doesn't sit well with me to invest in a company that I ethically don't believe in. Mm. But I guess that's probably where we differ. You're way more money-based. I'm way more emotionally driven. You're definitely emotional seven years I can tell you all right (laughs) but um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing though and especially if there's a surge of younger generation people investing as you say these ethically based sustainable companies are going to keep driving up and then hopefully that's going to shift the whole thing and who doesn't want that and obviously I would 100% rather invest my money into something like that yeah but the point is that if the money is there to be made, and, and maybe that's the difference between investing and trading. If I'm investing, I'm, I'm investing emotionally in the company mm. as well. I want to see it succeed. I'm investing in everything about it. I think it's a future winner. Yeah, if I'm trading goals. it, If I'm trading it, I'm looking for a short-term movement, which is going to get me some money. And I don't care if that's in a really nice preservation in Tanzania or whether that's mining under the Pacific and putting loads of oil into the, into the ocean. Mm, interesting and does that again go back to what you originally said is what are your goals for investing does that make a difference as to whether you do trading or investing definitely that, they're, yeah. they're, they're two different concepts and this is probably a good thing to cover that if you're investing you're looking long term you're investing for your future if you're trading which people do i've got a lot of friends who do it you're looking for short-term movements in a price a lot of people trade on news. So if a news release comes out, for example, Tesla give a, a financial statement to the public about yeah. how the company's doing. If they do really well and they actually beat expectations by the industry standard, their stock price is going to go up because the beat earnings have done better than expected. So I can think Tesla are going to do that quite well. I don't like Elon Musk, but I do like the fact that that price is going to go from there to there, in my opinion. So I can make a small bet on it. 
and you might hit my target and I can get out. So that's trading? That's trading. I'm not looking to hold Tesla long-term because it's too dangerous. Right. But I am looking to make a short-term play in it and make some money on that side. Yeah. Investment is I would put loads of money into a solar power company. If Australia ever decides to understand they've got <laughs> loads of sun, that they could use a solar power farm there. And maybe that would be a really good investment because you're looking long-term. California, for example, by 2030, they're banning all petrol cars. Yeah. Now, Silicon Valley, California, it's, it's the home of technological advancement and by 2030, if you can make an investment now in electric vehicles, 2030, which is what, 10, is it 10 years? 10 years. 10 years. <laughs> you can't trust a man who's talking about investment that can't work out a 10-year gap. Yeah, if you're looking at 2030 as being the target year for your investments, will be, what, 36 by then? Oh, my gosh. If you look like a 10-year plan, yeah, I'm going to put some money into some electric vehicle stocks, and that'd be an investment, long-term investment. Don't and we'll be it. rich. I'm straight to the cash, bank. Cash, cash, money. Okay, yeah, that was really interesting. I may have you back on if, if, this I'm, is if I'm wanted. Well, yeah. received to talk in more detail about some of the things that you covered because I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And this is definitely the longest conversation we've had about money. It's the longest conversation I've actually had to contribute to conversation uh-huh. as well. In the whole so, seven years. So we've thank been you together. for letting me speak for one. <laughs> Cheers for that. And on that note, I'm going to wrap things up. If I was to come back on, if anyone has any questions specifically about kind of investments, don't give me actual specific companies to talk about because I'm not qualified to do so. But if you want to ask about a certain aspect, for example, impact investing and sustainable investing, that's something I can go away and read about and we'll both learn something. So I do welcome anything like that. Also, anything that I've said on this is not financial advice. Take it for what it is. It's just a bloke talking about investments. Hashtag disclaimer. Hashtag do not sue me. (laughs) And then I ask everyone this at the end. If you could give one piece of advice for people in their 20s right now, what would it be? Invest in your financial future. Put a bit of money away, even if you're not looking to actually save money for something. Make sure you're putting some money in investments and making sure that you've got a nest egg for when you want to retire. Fabulous. And when everyone listening is rich, just remember us. Thanks so much for joining me and I'll see you next week. Bye. (laughs) 